At City of Hope, its innovative treatments for cancer and groundbreaking research have saved millions of lives all over the world. This is City of Hope Radio with your host, Melanie Cole. As a patient at City of Hope, you have a highly experienced and dedicated team to treat you and help you cope with a bladder cancer diagnosis. Specialists at City of Hope are internationally recognized experts in the treatment of bladder cancer. My guest today is City of Hope urologist, Dr. Kevin Chan. Welcome to the show, Dr. Chan. Tell us how common is bladder cancer? Uh, Bladder cancer is, uh, I would call it not uncommon. Uh, It probably, it's Amongst cancers, is the fourth most common new cancer diagnosed uh, in the United States. Who's men, at it, risk? Well, men have um, men men have a three to one predisposition, meaning uh, about one in twenty five men will get diagnosed with bladder cancer, uh, and one in ninety women. And the main risk factor for uh, bladder cancer is actually smoking. Well, that would seem to be the main risk factor for so many cancers. Tell us a little bit about bladder cancer. Would you have any symptoms if you, you know, if this was starting to grow? Right. So the most common presenting symptom for bladder cancer is blood in the urine. Uh, Anybody with blood in the urine uh, necessitates a workup with a CT scan and a scope inside the bladder, analogous to a colonoscopy, but this is uh, for the bladder. Uh, the other ways a bladder cancer can present is microscopic blood in the urine. If if your primary doc, doctor did a uh, urinalysis, or um, sometimes some people have irritative urinary symptoms like frequency and urgency, but those are much rarer. The most common is blood in the urine. So is this something, Dr. Chan, that when we get our annual physicals and we pee in a cup that gets screened for? Uh, to some extent, yes. Uh, the, most people do get urinalyses on their uh, routine physical exams. Many times uh, people will detect blood and they'll attribute it to a urinary tract infection. They'll get treated and there'll be some delay in the diagnosis. Uh, that even happens with gr- blood that you can see in the urine. Many people get diagnosed with a urinary tract infection. They get treated with antibiotics and then they get persistent blood in the urine and that's when they often go to a urologist. So. A urinalysis ideally is a good screening tool for bladder cancer, but it doesn't always kind of work out that way. So then you diagnose bladder cancer. It would be a very scary diagnosis, I would assume. What are some of the treatments? What's your first line of defense that you do? Right. So the most important things you need to know when you get diagnosed with bladder cancer are grade of the cancer and stage. Grade tells you how aggressive it is, high grade and low grade, essentially. And stage tells you at what particular point in time have you caught this. Have you caught it very early where it's confined to a very superficial part of the bladder? Have you caught it late where it's advanced beyond the bladder? So if you have a low-grade cancer, it's typically early stage. Those patients can be managed simply with cystoscopy and resection, meaning going in with the scope. Uh, in the bladder and just shaving out the tumor. And then we would just simply monitor them with periodic scopes uh, for the next five years, you know, periodically. If you have more advanced bladder cancer that's gone kind of into the muscle wall of the bladder, 
that, but still confined to the bladder and not spread beyond it, that's when we're talking about having a much larger operation, such as bladder removal, and uh, and having to do some type of reconstruction to make a new bladder. What happens with bladder removal, Dr. Chan? Uh, you mentioned reconstruction. <clears throat> I mean, it's such an important organ. What does that mean? So uh, the bladder, uh, interestingly, doesn't seem to do a lot, but it, it actually does more than you think, and trying to substitute it can be somewhat difficult. The main function of the bladder is to store urine at a very low pressure so it doesn't put any problems on the kidneys. You can hold urine until you decide that you want to urinate. And so, and then it has the ability to propel urine out. Uh, when we remove the bladder, we, have, we substitute intestine for that, and we can use up to two feet of intestine to make a whole new bladder into a kind of a spherical uh, shape. We hook the kidneys back in and hook it right back to the urethra, which is kind of the original plumbing to urinate. Uh, it, the good of it is that it does store urine uh, at a low pressure, but as you can imagine, it doesn't have all the benefits of a native bladder, such as sensation, and it doesn't really have the ability to push urine out. So it's not exactly the same, but in general, it can, it can be pretty darn close to the same. Uh, but that's a, that's a very involved surgery. There are other types of reconstruction out there uh, for people that are not candidates for that neobladder that I just talked about. There's catheterizable pouches, which is where we make a pouch out of colon. We hook the kidneys in, and this pouch is all inside the abdomen. And, um, and when patients urinate, they simply pass a little catheter through a little opening in the skin that looks like a belly button. They drain their bladder and pull the catheter out and put a little Band-Aid over that opening and go about their business. Uh, it's, it's very, uh, there's a very high quality of life with this. There's no bag or external appliance. So that's uh, a second option for patients, and, and that's considered a continent pouch because it doesn't require a bag. And a third option for reconstruction is an ileoconduit, and, and that's, the, you, that's the common one many people know about. It's a urostomy. So this is the one that has that external bag. It's similar to a colostomy for bowel content. This urostomy has a, a kind of a larger opening at the skin, and you put an adhesive bag over that. It drains urine. You empty the bag about every four hours, you change the bag about every three days. That's probably the simplest, most straightforward reconstruction. Uh, but, uh, you know, and each, each reconstruction has its kind of pros and cons. Uh, so so uh, different patients are probably appropriate for uh, different types of reconstruction. And when does radiation therapy and chemotherapy come in with bladder cancer? <clears throat> so... Uh, in general, uh, I'd say that radiation rarely has a role in, in bladder cancer. Uh, we've, we use it in some salvage settings, and, um, and it can, on occasion can be used as primary therapy for people that are not surgical candidates. And when I say not surgical candidates, perhaps they have a lot of uh, other health problems that, that make them make sur- surgery much more risky than the cancer itself, and it's... Kind of a, it's kind of a plan B for, for patients that are not super healthy but need to get treated for their bladder cancer. Um, chemotherapy 
is vital uh, with bladder cancer. It has a number of roles. You, you know, we had mentioned those superficial bladder cancers are the ones that are early stage. If they're high grade, we can actually put chemotherapy into the bladder and uh, uh, potentially decrease the risk of recurrence. Uh, for more advanced bladder cancers, like muscle invasive bladder cancers that we talked about, uh, there is some uh, data and evidence that shows that if we give chemotherapy before surgery, we can improve survival rates by about 5%. Tell us a little bit about the survival rates for bladder cancer, Dr. Chen. Okay. So, again, this you know, this is a variable based on the grade and stage of uh, the bladder cancer. If it's a low-grade cancer, which is typically early stage, the cure rates are well over 90%. That means something that most likely won't have to worry about in the future. If you have an early-stage high-grade cancer, again, uh, with bladder removal, with an early-grade high-stage, uh, sorry, a high-grade early-stage cancer, their cure rates are still in the 90% range with bladder removal. If you have muscle invasive cancer, which is a T2 bladder cancer that's a little more advanced, uh, with bladder removal, the cure rates are in the 60 to 70% range. With chemotherapy beforehand, it could raise that another about 5%. And then when you get to more advanced cancers that have gone outside the bladder, then the survival rates do drop uh, significantly. So in just the last minute, Dr. Chen, tell us a little bit about what's on the horizon and give hope to patients with bladder cancer and why they should come to City of Hope for their care. Okay. Yeah, there's, uh, there's a lot of exciting developments uh, for bladder cancer. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, if we just go by stage, early stage cancers, there's, there's new agents uh, being uh, tried for um, those superficial or uh, earlier stage high-grade cancers that can just go into the bladder. And so, again, another opportunity to spare your bladder. Um, with muscle invasive bladder cancer, uh, as you can see, we've already made one step, which is giving chemotherapy before surgery. That's already improved survival rates. But um, the other uh, aspect of that is the surgery. Uh, at City of Hope, our our kind of passion, our expertise is in uh, not only doing the uh, the meticulous cancer surgery of removal of the bladder and the lymph nodes, but our but also reconstruction. Our our big thing is that most of the patients will survive their bladder cancer. We want to make sure that they have similar quality of life that they had before the surgery. And so uh, our our big area of research is surgical tech. My big area of research is surgical techniques uh, in robotic cystectomy or robotic bladder removal and making neobladders and Indiana pouches. That was the catheterizable pouch that I had mentioned. Um, and um, basically improving quality of life for patients uh, that have to have their bladder removed. In addition, our expertise in robotic surgery has the potential ability not only to have less blood loss with this kind of surgery, it allows us to be a little more precise. And, and my, my general feeling on this is that it'll allow 
improved nerve sparing techniques. That means that patients that get neobladders may ultimately have better urinary control. That also means that historically, men that would have their bladder removed also had their prostates removed and would typically have erectile dysfunction. That was just a given. But with improved nerve sparing that can be done robotically, our feeling is that we can improve even that aspect of the surgery. And we, we've gotten uh, pretty good results from erectile function standpoint uh, doing it robotically as well. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Chan. For more information on bladder cancer, you can go to cityofhope.org. That's cityofhope.org. You're listening to City of Hope Radio. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.